from the authors of Author Masterminds. This is Mysterious. Mystery surrounds us every day. Join us and listen to true stories of mystery, from human behavior to nature and the physical environment to paranormal experiences. The stories are true, even if we can't explain them. This is a mystery that spanned 40 years before being solved and put to rest. Investigators from numerous countries, including the United States, West Germany, Israel, Argentina, Brazil, and Paraguay, all of which made confused and futile searches for the man or hard evidence of his having died. His name was Josef Rudolf Mengele, or Todesengel, German Angel of Death. He eluded arrest for 34 years and was never brought to justice to the very end. Hello, my name is Carl Douglas. I'm a retired neurosurgeon and I write with gripping realism after having lived such a life. Mengele was born March 16, 1911 in Gunzburg, Germany. He was successful at school and developed an interest in music, art, and skiing. He completed high school in April 1930 and went on to study philosophy in Munich, where the headquarters of the Nazi party were located. He attended the University of Bonn, where he took his medical preliminary examination. In 1931, he joined Der Stahlhelm, a paramilitary organization that was absorbed into the Nazi Sturmabteilung, Storm Detachment, SA, in 1934. In 1935, Mengele earned a PhD in anthropology from the University of Munich. In January 1937, he joined the Institute for Hereditary Biology and Racial Hygiene in Frankfurt, where he worked for Otmar Freiherr von Verschur, a German geneticist with a particular interest in researching twins. On July 28, 1939, Mengele married Irene Schonbein, whom he had met while working as a medical resident in Leipzig. Their only son, Rolf, was born in 1944. During that period, Mengele received his doctorate in anthropology and a cum laude doctorate in medicine from the University of Frankfurt and began a career as a researcher. He joined the Nazi party in 1937 and the SS in 1938. He received basic training in 1938 with the Gebirgsjäger Light Infantry Mountain Troop and was called up for service in the Wehrmacht in June 1940, a few months after the outbreak of World War II. Early in World War II, he was assigned as a battalion medical officer. In June 1941, Mengele was posted to Ukraine, where he was awarded the Iron Cross second class. In January 1942, he joined the 5th SS Panzer Division Viking as a battalion medical officer. After rescuing two German soldiers from a burning tank, he was decorated with the Iron Cross first class, the wound badge in black, and the medal for the care of the German people. He was declared unfit for further active service in mid-1942 when he was seriously wounded in action near rostov Nodonu in Russia. As a result, he was then transferred to the Nazi concentration camp service in early 1943, where he was assigned to Auschwitz to Birkenau as a German Schutzstaffel, SS officer and physician. There, Mengele saw the opportunity to conduct pseudoscientific genetic research on human subjects. His experiments focused primarily on twins with no regard for the health, safety, or lives of the victims.
the job Mengele enjoyed the most was in selection. He waited on the train ramp as the carloads of Jewish victims disembarked, even when not ordered to do so, in order to find twins for his experiments. With colossal indifference, he undertook the task with a flamboyant air. Often smiling or whistling, he pointed links, left or rex, right, to indicate destinations for slave labor or immediate execution in the gas chambers. The arrivals that were selected to die, about three-quarters of the total, included almost all children, women with small children, pregnant women, all the elderly, and all of those who appeared, after a brief and superficial inspection by an SS doctor, not to be completely fit and healthy. He was a member of the team of doctors who selected victims to be killed in the gas chambers, and was one of the doctors who administered the gas. He was one of the SS doctors responsible for supervising the administration of Zyklon B, the cyanide-based pesticide that was used for the mass killings in the Birkenau gas chambers. He served in this capacity at the gas chambers located in Crematoria 4 and 5. The purpose of the final solution of the Jewish question was to deport and kill all Jews and Slavs living in Europe who were considered by the Nazis to be inferior to the Aryan master race. His experiments were gruesome, and the human debris he left behind almost stupefied the Soviet liberators. With Red Army troops sweeping through German-occupied Poland, Mengele was quickly transferred 170 miles to the Kroskosen concentration camp in Lower Silesia on January 17, 1945, ten days before the arrival of the Soviet forces at Auschwitz. As the war was drawing to a close, German scientists were being taken to the U.S. in Operation Paperclip and to Russia in Operation Osavaykhim and the other criminal politicians and mass murderers were objects of manhunts. Josef Mengele proved to be the most elusive of them all. Mengele fled Golskosen on February 18th, a week before the Soviets arrived there, and traveled westward to Zyatitz in Czechoslovakia, disguised as a Wehrmacht officer. He and his unit then hurried west to avoid being captured by the Soviets, but were taken prisoners of war by the Americans in June 1945. Although Mengele was actually registered under his own name, he was not identified as being on the major war criminal list due to the disorganization of the Allies regarding the distribution of wanted lists, and the fact that he did not have the usual SS blood group tattoo. He was released at the end of July and obtained false papers under the name Fritz Ullmann, documents he later altered to read Fritz Holman. Mengele escaped internment and went underground serving for four years as a farm stableman near Rosenheim in Bavaria. After several months on the run, including a trip back to the Soviet-occupied area to recover his Auschwitz records, Mengele found work as a farmhand. Then he escaped, using the rat line and assisted by the Odessa, network of former SS members, to travel to Genoa, Italy, where he obtained a passport from the International Committee of the Red Cross under the alias Helmut Greger and left for Argentina on April 17, 1949. He was convinced that his capture would mean a trial and death sentence. His wife refused to accompany him, and they divorced in 1954. Let me take a short break. Mysterious Podcast is sponsored by Author Masterminds and Readers and Writers Book Club. We invite you to join the club where you can chat with author masterminds, read free content pieces and serialized books, and buy books at 50% off the list price. Please check mysterious show notes for links to the book club and author masterminds.
Mengele worked as a carpenter in Buenos Aires, Argentina, while lodging in a boarding house in the suburb of Vicente Lopez. After a few weeks, he moved to the house of a Nazi sympathizer in the more affluent area of Florida Este. He next worked as a salesman for his family's farm equipment company, Carl Mengele & Sons, and in 1951 he began making frequent trips to Paraguay. As a regional sales representative, he moved into an apartment in central Buenos Aires in 1953, used family funds to buy a part interest in a carpentry concern, and then rented a house in the suburb of Olivos in 1954. After obtaining a copy of his birth certificate through the West German Embassy in 1956, Mengele was issued an Argentine foreign residence permit under his real name. He used this document to obtain a West German passport using his real name and embarked on a trip to Europe. He met with his son, Rolf, who was told Mengele was his Uncle Fritz and his widowed sister-in-law, Martha, for a ski holiday in Switzerland. He also spent a week in his hometown of Gunsberg. When he returned to Argentina in September 1956, Mengele began living under his real name. Martha and her son Karl Heinz followed about a month later, and the three began living together. Josef and Martha were married in 1958 while on holiday in Uruguay, and they bought a house in Buenos Aires. Mengele's business interests now included part ownership of Fadro Farm, a pharmaceutical company. Along with several other doctors, he was questioned in 1958 on suspicion of practicing medicine without a license when a teenage girl died after an abortion, but he was released without charge. Aware that the publicity could lead to his Nazi background and wartime activities being discovered, he took an extended business trip to Paraguay and was granted citizenship there in 1959 under the name José Mengele. He returned to Buenos Aires several times to settle his business affairs and visit his family. Martha and Carl lived in a boarding house in the city until December 1960, when they returned to West Germany permanently. Despite having provided Mengele with legal documents using his real name in 1956, which had enabled him to formalize his permanent residency in Argentina, West Germany was now offering a reward for his capture. Continuing newspaper coverage of his wartime activities with accompanying photographs led Mengele to relocate again in 1960. Former pilot Hans Ulrich Rudel put him in touch with Nazi supporter Wolfgang Gerhard, who helped Mengele cross the border into Brazil. He stayed with Gerhard on his farm near Sao Paulo until a more permanent accommodation could be found, which came about with Hungarian expatriates Gisa and Gita Stammer. The couple bought a farm in Nova Europa with the help of an investment from Mengele, who was given the job of managing for them. The three bought a coffee and cattle farm in Serra Negra in 1962, with Mengele owning a half-interest. Gerhard had initially told the Stammers that the fugitive's name was Peter Holbichler, but they discovered his true identity in 1963. Gerhard persuaded the couple not to report Mengele's location to the authorities by convincing them that they themselves could be implicated for harboring a fugitive. He initially lived in and around Buenos Aires, then fled to Paraguay in 1959 and Brazil in 1960, all while being sought by West Germany, Israel, and Nazi hunters such as Simon Wiesenthal, who wanted to bring him to trial. In a search of the public records, Longbein discovered Mengele's divorce papers, which listed an address in Buenos Aires. He and Wiesenthal pressured the West German authorities into starting extradition proceedings, and an arrest warrant was drawn up on June 5, 1959. Argentina initially refused the extradition request because the fugitive was no longer living at the address given on the documents. However, by the time extradition was approved on June 30th, Mengele had already fled to Paraguay 
and was living on a farm near the Argentine border. That cast doubt on whether Mengele had ever lived in Argentina and muddled the already mysterious movements of the arch-monster of Auschwitz. Files released by the Argentine government in 1992 indicate that Mengele may have practiced medicine without a license while living in Buenos Aires, including performing abortions. In 1961, he moved back to Brazil, becoming friends with old-time Nazi Wolfgang Gerhard and living in a succession of houses owned by the Hungarian couple. Mengele's name was mentioned several times during the Nuremberg trials in the mid-1940s, but the Allied forces believed that he was probably already dead. Irene Mengele and the family in Gunsberg also alleged that he had died. Working in West Germany, Nazi hunters Simon Wiesenthal and Hermann Langbein collected information from witnesses about Mengele's wartime activities. Mengele eluded capture in spite of extradition requests by the West German government, clandestine operations by the Israeli intelligence agency Mossad, and involvement by the U.S. government and CIA. In May 1960, Isa Harel, director of the Mossad, personally led the successful effort to capture Adolf Eichmann in Buenos Aires. He was hoping to track down Mengele so that he too could be brought to trial in Israel. Under interrogation, Eichmann provided the address of a boarding house that had been used as a safe house for Nazi fugitives. Surveillance of the house did not reveal Mengele or any of the members of his family, and the neighborhood postman claimed that although Mengele had recently been receiving letters there under his real name, he had since relocated without leaving a forwarding address. Harrell's inquiries at a machine shop where Mengele had been part owner also failed to generate any leads, so he was forced to abandon the search. Meanwhile, Zvia Aroni, one of the Mossad agents who had been involved in the Eichmann capture, was placed in charge of a team of agents tasked with tracking down Mengele and bringing him to trial in Israel. Their inquiries in Paraguay revealed no clues to his whereabouts, and they were unable to intercept any correspondence between Mengele and his wife Martha, who by this time was living in Italy. Agents who were following Rudel's movements also failed to produce any leads. Aroni and his team followed Gerhard to a rural area near Sao Paulo, where they identified a European man whom they believed to be Mengele. This potential breakthrough was reported to Harrell, but the logistics of staging a capture the budgetary constraints of the search operation and the priority of focusing on Israel's deteriorating relationship with Egypt led the Mossad chief to call off the manhunt in 1962. In 1969, Mengele and the Stammers jointly purchased a farmhouse in Caedas with Mengele as half-owner. When Wolfgang Gerhard returned to Germany in 1971 to seek medical treatment for his ailing wife and son, he gave his identity card to Mengele. The Stammer's friendship with Mengele deteriorated in late 1974, and when they bought a house in Sao Paulo, he was not invited to join them. The Stammer's later bought a bungalow in the El Dorado neighborhood of Diadema, Sao Paulo, which they rented out to Mengele. Rolf, who had not seen his father since the ski holiday in 1956, visited him at the bungalow in 1977. He found an unrepentant Nazi who claimed he had never personally harmed anyone and only carried out his duties as an officer. Other aliases used by Mengele in his later life to sow confusion among his pursuers included Dr. Fausto Rindon and S. Yossi Alvers Aspiasu. Mengele's health steadily deteriorated after 1972. He suffered a stroke in 1976, developed high blood pressure, and had an ear infection which affected his balance. On a pleasant summer day, February 7, 1979, while visiting his friends Wolfram and Lisolette Bossard, 
In the coastal resort of Ensiada de Bertioga, near Sao Paulo, Mengele suffered another stroke while swimming and drowned. His body was buried in Embu das Artes, under the name Wolfgang Gerhard, whose identification Mengele had been using intermittently since 1971. All of that was unknown to Mengele's pursuers, who presumed to be alive and still a mysterious fugitive. Even after his death, sightings of Mengele were being reported all over the world. Wiesenthal claimed to have information that placed Mengele on the Greek island of Kithnos in 1960, in Cairo in, Cairo in 1961, in Spain in 1971, and in Paraguay in 1978, 18 years after he had left the country. He insisted as late as 1985 that Mengele was still alive six years after he had died, having previously offered a reward of 100,000 U.S. dollars, equivalent to 300,000 plus in 2023, in 1982 for the fugitive's capture. Worldwide interest in the case was heightened by a mock trial held in Jerusalem in February 1985, featuring the testimonies of over 100 victims of Mengele's grisly sadistic experiments. Shortly afterwards, the West German, Israeli, and U.S. governments launched a coordinated effort to determine Mengele's whereabouts. The West German and Israeli governments offered rewards for his capture, as did the Washington Times and the Simon Wiesenthal Center. On May 31, 1985, acting on intelligence received by the West German Prosecutor's Office, police raided the home of Hans Sedelmeier, a lifelong friend of Mengele, and sales manager of the family firm in Gunsberg. There they found a coded address book and copies of letters sent to and received from Mengele. Among the papers was a letter from Wolfram Bossert notifying Sedelmeier of Mengele's death. German authorities alerted the police in Sao Paulo, who then contacted the Bosserts. Under interrogation, they revealed the location of Mengele's grave. The remains were exhumed on June 6, 1985, by Brazilian police. Extensive forensic examination, including dental matches, indicated with a high degree of probability that the body was indeed that of Josef Mengele. Rolf Mengele issued a statement on June 10th confirming that the body was his father's and that news of his father's death had been concealed to protect people who had sheltered him and to maintain the mysterious fog surrounding his father and his life. American, Brazilian, and German forensic experts positively identified the remains as those of Josef Mengele. In 1992, DNA evidence confirmed this conclusion beyond doubt. Family members refused repeated requests by Brazilian officials to repatriate the remains to Germany. Josef Mengele's skeleton is stored at the Sao Paulo Institute for Forensic Medicine, where it is used as an educational aid during forensic medicine courses at the University of Sao Paulo's medical school. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links to the Author Masterminds website and the Readers and Writers Book Club. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode of Mysterious, where my fellow authors and I explore mysteries in the world around us.